My name is David Hernandez, and you're listening to As the Pokeball Turns. Welcome to As the Pokeball Turns, where we interview people around the community on how their Pokemon Go journey started, where it has been, and where it is currently going. Mobile gaming has increased in profitability over the years. A prime model for any mobile gaming usually involves microtransactions to help advance the game state faster or enhance the gaming experience. Nowadays, it isn't uncommon to see people drop a few dollars to thousands of dollars on Pokemon Go to buy items like raid passes, incubators, and even ticketed events. I'm not immune to this, as I never have and never will try to figure out how much I spent on this game. However, there is a group of players known as Free to Play or FTP for short, who forgo spending any money in Pokemon Go. For them, they depend heavily on whatever the game provides to play Pokemon Go, ranging from bonuses provided from in-game events to coins from the gym system. My guest today is a free-to-play player and shares his experience with the game when you don't spend any money on it and how that has helped him connect with his students for the classes he teach. From Sacramento, California, here is his origin story into the world of Pokemon Go. This is Jerry Bear, Texas. Today, I'm joined by Jerry Bear, Texas. Jerry, welcome to the show. Hey, David. Thanks for having me on. Definitely, Jerry. And I'm really glad that you got to come on the show because you're a teacher and you play Pokemon Go. And that's just something that I'm really interested in how that affects you on an everyday basis, especially with some of the restrictions at school. But before we do dive into that, you know, how about you tell me, when did you first start playing Pokemon Go? Oh, day one. I was doing a summer program for high school students, and we were out in Davis, California. And I wasn't like a huge Pokemon knowledgeable person, but I had played the TCG a little bit and seen a few shows, but pretty much everybody on campus was playing. I was on campus at the University of California, Davis, and that's like a big university in California, kind of like your UCLA's and your UC Berkeley's. It was a lot of fun because there's a lot of people out there doing something GPS-based, which no one's ever heard of before. And before Pokemon Go came out, did you have any expectations for the game and what it would look like? Yeah, I knew kind of the idea of it, but until I really experienced it, I couldn't believe like it was such a thing that you could actually interact with your environment. And then I learned about Ingress, of course, which was like the predecessor. I'm really intrigued because I enjoy video games. I have since I was very young, but I did not know what to expect when you mix that with a GPS kind of based game and having you to actually go somewhere for a purpose. That's pretty darn cool. Now, you mentioned how you used to play video games, and you played the trading card game. So how familiar were you with the Pokemon franchise, and did you play the main series at all? Yeah, to be honest, I never had a Game Boy, so I never really touched it. I've always loved like Japanese RPGs where you do the whole turn-based battles. And one of my favorites is Persona series, amazing series. And it does have that same kind of thing where you have basically your Personas, which are kind of like the Pokemon in this game. And then you do like a turn-based battle system and go and explore areas. So there's a lot of similarities to those JRPG games. I played like Dragon Quest and some of the old Final Fantasy games. I really love those. 
So Pokemon Go was your first experience with Pokemon as a video game. Definitely, yeah. I have two daughters, and when they were younger, they just loved collecting the cards. They thought the cards were cute. And I'm like, this is a game. And I'm a board gamer. That's probably actually my number one hobby. I was like, well, let's figure out this game. So I discovered you needed these energy cards. So I went and bought a bunch of those energy cards and made a bunch of decks. And so we played against each other. The kids thought that was only okay. I actually was more interested than they were. What about the trading card game got you interested? Was it just your love for board games or was there something more to it? The stats, you know, if you play a lot of Japanese RPG type games, I'm a math teacher and a computer science teacher and the numbers and the stats and I guess the Pokemon battle each other, how it worked out. That was interesting. I thought it was a little bit light. I like kind of really strategic board games and I thought the concepts were a little light and luck heavy, but still a great game. Did you ever go to stores and play with the locals or anything like that? Or was it just something between you and your daughters? Yeah, just between my daughters and I. We've been to a lot of stores because I enjoy board games. And a lot of those stores, they have tournaments going on, playing Magic and Pokemon. But I've never participated. I think the closest I came is playing Keyforge, which is another head-to-head battling game. So since Pokemon Go's come out, you've played constantly every day? Or do you ever take a break at all? Yeah, pretty much every day. Sometimes to the dismay of my family, but yes, pretty much every day. Does your family ever join you with Pokemon Go at all? Like, do y'all go to parks or anything like that? Yeah, we started that way. <laughs> then it just became me um, probably after about a year. Oh, the game did interest them enough? Yeah, I like the grind. It's a very grindy game, as my girls always call it. I enjoy the grind, and I play a lot of games like that, but this is definitely my favorite, and I should mention, I am a free-to-play player. I have never spent a dollar on the game, and I've really enjoyed the game. They've done an excellent job making a game fun for even free-to-play players, and I do that because, actually, I think it's it's more challenging, and I actually enjoy the challenge, so that's something I should definitely mention. Well, take me into like the world of the free-to-play player, and let's start with the old gym system. How hard or easy was it to be free to play back under the old gym system? I can barely remember. I think it was 10 Pokemon in the gym, 10 Blisties in the gym, I should say. But the coins were easier to get, a little bit easier to get. But yeah, I mean, I just go out at night and there's a couple of gyms near our house and there's a couple of players in my neighborhood and we just kind of knock each other out in the gyms. And I can almost guarantee I'll get 50 a day. And that's pretty darn good. Do you ever feel very restricted by not having enough coins for certain items or certain raid passes or even the quote-unquote new items that cost actual money? Hmm. I'm not sure what you have to spend money on, but not really. I mean, definitely, like, if there's a day everybody's doing, like, I'll do as many as I can. I'll save up coins. You know, keep up with the news. You know, it's, something's coming out. So you just kind of save up the coins. Uh, I don't level up as fast, I guess, for people who remote raid all the time. What I was more alluding to was like, I don't know if you remember the GoTour Kanto or GoTour Johto where you actually have to spend physical money to buy those tickets. Do you choose to not play those times or? Oh, yeah. The free-to-play experience for those Kanto Tour, Johto Tour ones are not bad. I've definitely, if there's anything that was like exclusive, I have plenty of friends who do play and have paid, I should say, and we can just trade. I'm not a huge shiny collector. I love Pokemon that are good for PvP, good for raids. I will analyze every Pokemon before I throw it away, make sure I've not lost anything special. And I have some pretty darn good PvP teams and also some really great raid teams. Do you have a preferred league that you like to play in? I definitely started mainly just doing great leagues. And I have a lot of great league Pokemon that I've set up and spent a lot of Stardust on. But then I started doing Ultra League and I really like that. I will do Master League when you twist my arm. And what I do is I just bring in two or three ice Pokemon and just try to take out all the dragons that are in the Master League. And it actually works out pretty well. You're not going to win everything, but Glaceon and a Mammoth Swine, a team like that, you can win a lot of battles. 
people will use all their shields because they see an ice Pokemon and then they don't know that you have two more back there and they just give up. <laughs> it sounds like you're very anti-meta when it comes to at least the Master League. Exactly, yes. With the countering the meta, that's exactly the only way I can handle Master League because I definitely am not going to grind out 296 XL candies for every legendary <laughs> dragon. I'm, I'm not going to be able to do that. Especially if you're free to play because you're very limited on the amount of raids. Exactly, yeah, exactly. You know, countering the meta. Tell me about what it's like to play Pokemon Go where you're at currently. Like, is it very populated? Is it very rural? I live close to downtown Sacramento, near the capital, and there is a pretty large amount of people who play every community day, and it's a pretty good crowd of people. And as I mentioned before, I'm a high school teacher, and we started a Pokemon Go club last year, and they'll go out with me. They'll just meet me there at the capital, and we'll walk around as a crew and do raids and just catch as many community day Pokemon as we can. It's a lot of fun. Definitely. And tell me, like, how did the Pokemon Go Trainer Club first start? Oh, that's a pretty interesting story. I basically had a bunch of students who were talking to me and they found out I played. They knew another teacher on campus also played. Actually, several teachers played. We decided to start a club. And just to make it kind of fair, I said, okay, I'm going to start fresh just like you guys. So they all started fresh. None of them had an account. Then I created a teacher account. Got to level 40 before one year. (laughs) That account, playing with them. Gosh. (laughs) And so with that account, that's just how the club first started? Yeah, we just kind of started from scratch. And the more they played, the more they got into it. And some of them are pretty serious. And then we pick up new people all the time. And what do y'all do as a club? Like, is it just constantly y'all just focus on like the community days and spotlight hours? Or do y'all do something else outside of that? We'll chat about what's coming up. We'll trade Pokemon. That's probably the thing we do the most. And uh, lunchtime, we can walk to the corner of the school and there is a gym there. But yeah, a lot of lunch times we hang out together. And then every Tuesday is our official club time. But a lot of times they just come by and they just want to trade. How do you think starting that club has affected your relationship with your student? Very positive. I mean, some of them got to know me through that. And now some of them come to our board game club. Some of them are in my computer science class. And so we have a good time. I teach video game design. So we kind of always talk about those elements of video game design and what's great about games, including what they do in Pokemon Go to kind of like capture people's attention and hold their attention. Since you do teach video game design, I don't know if you can or not. Can you give me some insight on like how you kind of see Pokemon Go as a video game? Yeah, so I asked all my students to present on a game designer. And when they don't have any ideas, I said, well, that's okay. What you do is go find your favorite video game, find out who designed it, and then go find out their story. And as an example this year, what I did was I said, okay, I'm going to do Pokemon Go. I'm going to find out who designed it. I'm going to do research on it. And so I did a sample presentation for them. And what I found out was that Pokemon Go actually appeals to several groups of people, those who are, you know, the shining collecting type, the PvP kind of type, the exploration kind of people, this idea of core aesthetic, like why do people want to play your game? And that was a really cool thing that I discovered was that just like Minecraft, there are so many different kinds of people who like Minecraft because Minecraft appeals to people in so many different ways. Those who want to like build monuments, those who want to like play PvP, those who want to just explore, survive and kill the dragon. You know, like there's all kinds of people who play Minecraft. And I think Pokemon Go has done a really good job appealing to many different audiences. You think Pokemon Go, with how it does appeal to everybody, and it's not a game that really has a quote-unquote end goal, has influenced the video game design to present day? Yeah, well, I think still left to be seen, because I think Pokemon Go still has some tricks up their sleeve they're probably going to try and do in the next coming years. 
but already their innovation for sure. We talk about innovation in our class is this idea of playing a game where you go out and you explore the world, this augmented reality thing. And I know they really have some huge ideas that I think are definitely not realized yet related to augmented reality. I think some cynical people talk about like, hey, they give you all of these、uh, puffin tasks so that you'll go and scan the environment you live in for them. So we're kind of like their worker bees. What do they give us, puffins? <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I I really don't know what the devs are thinking about and for the future. But I've enjoyed most of the things they put out there. I know some people complain about their receptivity of their player base, but you know they're not perfect. But I definitely think that they've definitely made a game that's appealed to me. And I played a lot of video games, and definitely this is the kind of the only one I'm really playing right now. I have time for with、uh, two girls and a job. <laughs> now I'm gonna ask you. This is probably the last question I ask for gaming. What are your thoughts on AR gaming and how it affects our present day? Do you feel that AR gaming is kind of a hindrance and it's not something that we're probably ready for as a society, or do you think that's kind of the future that people are shooting for and something maybe Niantic is kind of on the so you will pulse of it? It's interesting. Yesterday, I just watched a YouTube video. I think it was put out by CNET, that news organization. And they were talking about Apple jumping in on the AR VR world, and a big player like that potentially working with a Niantic and putting Pokemon Go maybe in a true AR headset world. Then we're talking about something like revolutionary. I guess that's my strongest feeling. They need another partner. Yeah, because that's always what I've wondered in regards to the AR aspect. Because it feels in reality, you know, if Pokemon was how it's supposed to be in the video game, we would all be catching Pidgeys and Rattatas around the city. We wouldn't be catching any legendary Pokemon stuff like that. And I remember watching a game theory video by Matt Pat a long time ago, and he talked about one of the questions we have to ask is how real do we want an AR or VR game to be? You see some of that ethical dilemmas or questions come into play when you talk about city versus rural area, to where the rural areas never have enough, but city players were lucky and blessed to have all that we do have. I think the event system, where hey, it's community day, then they can have exceptions, and they've already had tiny bit of that. Like we live in North America, and there's definitely shades of things that we get that rural players wish they had. It's definitely not to the extreme that you were talking about. About mainly, well, you're in a city; you should be catching pigeons, and that's about it. <laughs> not quite to that level. Definitely, definitely. So, talk to me about your students. Like, you know, how involved are you in the group? Like, do you have any notable students you wanted like talk about? Yeah, I will say they have a tendency to change their in-game player names more than most.、Uh, but yeah, definitely, there's a few that are pretty active that go out with me pretty much every single time we have an event. We talk about you know the news organizations, the news write-ups. They're reading, they're researching, they're discovering, they're analyzing. I mean, they're learning a lot of analytical skills. I have to say, playing the game, and they're having a good time too. What's their motivation to play this game? From what you've seen, I think if we didn't have each other, they'd stop playing. Yeah, really, it's the community、it's、aspect. Community, yeah, doing things together, getting excited together. We have one student since freshman year. He just has this grand voice and is always excited. <laughs> He's always excited. And then we have the other students. They're like know every detail. They could tell you the CP of the Hundos of the latest Pokemon that's in the raids every single time. <laughs> like there's other those those kind of students too. How heavy is PVP? Like influence them or shiny hunting and stuff like that. Like do any of them do that as well? Definitely, I think I have an influence. Me saying you can have every shiny I have. I'll trade you guys. I really don't care too much about shinies because they don't quote do anything.、Uh, so that, that's my line always. If you want mine, you can have it. I'll trade it to you. They don't do anything. 
they still really enjoy Chinese a lot more than I do. PVP, I think they all do it when there's elite charge TM <laughs> available.、Uh, that's pretty much kind of the level that we go at. Not too big in the PVP. They just enjoy collecting the Pokemon that are meta relevant for PVP, probably more than actually fighting and using them in PVP that often. But yeah, they'll go up to level twenty. How many of them are already level forty? Are they kind of all below forty? Oh, I think all of them are going to hit forty this year. I mean, those that play a lot, I think they will if they stay consistent. What do y'all do when y'all go to community day? Like, do y'all just walk around for the full three hours? Do y'all like sit around somewhere to go chat and eat? I think most of them are free to play. So what we do is they usually don't have a lot of storage. So what we'll do is we'll probably grind for about you know hour and a half. Then we'll trade, toss all the junk, and then most of them play till the end. And then we'll trade some more at the end and evolve the good ones. And everybody takes home six or so community today Pokemon's fully evolved, lucky traded. <laughs> we try to do that. Do you ever talk to any of the parents at all about how you can bond over Pokemon Go with their son or daughter? They usually just say thank you, and they know their kids are having a good time. Some of them I know because they're part of the PTA or other reasons. It's just something else we do, and so a lot of the parents kind of know us. All the students know who we are. Every teacher on campus, and we usually know pretty much every student on campus. Yeah, it sounds like the parents are very involved. That they're part of the PTA, so y'all kind of know each other by name. It's nice. We're like a family. What do you hope to do with the Pokemon Go Club moving forward? Like, do you have any special plans coming up? Well, some of our clubs we have officers, and I realized you asked me this question. We didn't really have officer positions this year. We just kind of dove into doing stuff. So yeah, maybe I should ask them about that. Something we probably should do, and give them a chance to lead the club and set the agenda and decide what we're going to do. It's really just a great reason to meet up. Definitely. I don't know if you can relate, but I remember when I grew up, my teachers didn't know anything about Pokemon. My teachers were the ones who were taking the cards away and stuff like that. Especially classes like math, where it's like, okay, you know, if you finish your homework, you guys can go sit in the corner and play magic.、Um, I didn't play magic, but I definitely remember people sitting in the corner playing magic and Pokemon when they finished their math homework. So I got to ask you, like, what keeps you motivated to play Pokemon Go? Interesting. They definitely have new content. I try to think of ways to create meta-relevant PVP teams. That's one thing that's kind of interesting. When I look at the schedule of events of what you can do, different things they've tried, like these Hoopa raids, I think they're trying new stuff. It keeps me excited. As a free-to-play player, do you ever feel like you're kind of on the outside looking in at times, or do you always feel like you're engaged in some way with Pokemon Go? Yeah, I can give you a very honest opinion. They have really done a good job. If you're not obsessed with shinies, if you're not trying to do 100 raids. <laughs> The free free to play experience is actually really good, really really good. I've played other games like Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes where it's a serious grind, but it doesn't feel very good, not at all. <laughs> If you're a free to play player, it's, it's not fun. I think they made the free to play experience actually quite quite good. And if you're not afraid to spend time on the game, you can get what you need for the most part. Other than shinies, I think the shiny thing is a different story. <laughs> but like I said, you can have my shinies. <laughs> So, as a free-to-play player, do you feel like Niantic should be obligated to kind of be able to match your playstyle, or is it kind of you just get whatever you get? I don't know how they do like a pulse of their player base, but my free-to-play style encourages other people to play the game, bring my students into the game, them being interested in the game, and they definitely hold my attention. I don't know how they do it because I'm pretty picky. I guess at 46 years of life, I think I'm kind of picky on what kind of games I play. And I'm to the point where I just don't play anything else. This is pretty much the one video game that I play. Here's my last question: What do you hope Pokemon Go eventually introduces that it hasn't already existed yet, or what's something you'd like to see added? 
Ooh, anything co-op is interesting to me. So is there more that we can do together? You know, in the TCG, you can bring a deck and the deck has tons of Pokemon inside. So what happens if instead of just a PvP battle, you got a team versus team kind of thing, maybe? That would seem maybe interesting and maybe having you be able to play with your Pokemon with someone. You can play with someone else's Pokemon in a virtual environment. But what if you could do more than just play with them, like help each other, train each other? I don't know. I'm excited to see what they come up with. Before we do go, do you have any last minute words you want to say? Anything you want to say to maybe if your class listens to this podcast? It's been fun. And uh, I definitely thank them for a fun two years playing the game. Like I mentioned before, I do have another hobby that I do a lot of, which is board gaming. And so that's definitely something if you're a Pokemon Go fan. There are some wonderful modern board games out there. I think probably my favorite game is Great Western Trail and Blood Rage. So if you guys want a board game recommendation, those are some good ones. Thank you for listening to another episode of As the Pokeball Turns. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Feel free to follow me on all my socials by clicking the link in the description of this episode, and I'll see you next time. Here's a sneak peek for the next episode of As the Pokeball Turns. Now, I imagine based on your name that you're probably a huge fan of Ohio State. Is that true? Indeed. I uh, grew up for most of my childhood in the state of Ohio and uh, went to school there for not one, but two degrees. So I am a Buckeye through and through.